0: It's from the National Governance Association. And this is our very first podcast, which we're naming Governing Chatters. Uh, Because we do like to have a chat in Governance HQ. but here uh, I've got with me part of the team so we can have a conversation about governance and how best to both practice governance, but also what are the issues um, that we're discussing um, across the country. now. National Governance Association, I'm sure those of you who are listening to us will know, we are both the governance experts, but we also provide a voice for governors, trustees and clerks across England. And we value expertise, evidence, our independence and the voices of all. So we really reflect on what you're telling us from around the country. We're not an organisation, we say, that shoots from the hip, but we really are taking seriously, acting both as a voice for the school and trust governance community, but building um, on what we know as the governance experts. So it is really rather strange for us here um, to be simply on broadcast, not getting questions back for you. It's it's really countercultural for NGA, but we're gonna give it a go. Um, But we're really looking forward to the fact that we shall be setting up our networks virtually uh, soon because we have uh, four different networks in which we normally bring together people face-to-face and now, because of the times we find ourselves in, we're going to uh, reimagine those virtually. So that's um, our Clocking Advisory Group uh, that advises us on our Clocking Matters um, campaign, our Community Mats Network, our Send Advisory Group, and our Young Governors Network. We've really uh, been working hard to try and improve the diversity over boards, of boards, particularly over the last couple of uh, years. And if you haven't come across that, have a look um, at the Everyone on Board um, campaign. So here we are starting our podcasts, which we had hoped to do uh, anyway, but we're starting them now during lockdown. So we're not all sat together in our headquarters in Birmingham, but we're talking uh, from our own homes across the the West Midlands. So I can't see uh, now uh, other people's raised um, eyebrows. Um, So it may (laughs) feel a little bit still. Oh, there you go. I heard heard a whisper from someone else. Um uh there, but the first thing I wanted to do uh, before we launch into our piece is to start with a thank you for everything you do as volunteers um because truly the best part of my job. Uh, It's not meeting with national um, officials in the uh, Department of Education's headquarters. Let's hope they're not listening. Um, It's about travelling around the country, going to lots of different local conferences and events and meeting you because, actually, when I do that, I'm always uh, uplifted by your service, your enthusiasm, your willingness to share your experiences and your knowledge So thank you for continuing to do what you do in really tricky and anxious times. But also I'm really lucky to have a great staff team here at NGA. So they are beavering away producing resources for our members and indeed for other people across the wider sector. So we thought that uh, today we would give you um, an idea of what we do here behind the scenes, a monthly summary of the live issues that we've been grappling with, um, but then also some more in-depth podcasts on a particular topic. So let's kick off this first ever Team NGA podcast. I have got Steve and Emma. Yes, a second Emma uh, with me. So um, please introduce yourselves and your role and what you've been working on over the last month.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's good to hear you, Emma. It's good to hear both of you, Emma. Actually, lovely to be here and be and to be part of this. Um, yeah. So I'll kick off, shall I? And uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Steve Edmonds. I'm uh, NGA's Director of Advice and Guidance, and uh, what that means in practice really is I oversee uh, the guidance uh, that NGA publishes in its Knowledge Centre. And if you're a member of NGA, you'll know that that's a very significant resource. We have around two thousand pieces. Of individual guidance that covers the whole sort of spectrum of responsibilities, compliance, and practice. Really, everything that falls under those three core functions of, of governance, you'll find in our knowledge centre. Uh, it's also my my privilege to supervise the delivery of our advice service, uh, known as Gold Line. So, if you're a uh, you have gold membership of NGA uh, and you are a governor or a trustee. Even an executive leader uh, or a governance professional, uh, you can contact our advice service on anything relating to governance practice, rules and procedures uh, in your own context, and our advice team will will na- steer you through uh, those issues and give you uh, a way forward and actually at this moment in time um, we'll we'll talk about this more I'm sure later we've we've opened the service to all governing boards. Uh, in view of the current circumstances, because we think that's that's really important. But uh, I'm sure that's enough from me for now. We'll, we'll come on to that later. So, Emma, over to you.
2: Thanks, Steve. That's really helpful. Um, so I'm Emma Bolchin, the other Emma, uh, fondly known as, and I'm Director of our Professional Development Services, of which there are five different strands. So our first um, and foremost is, is our um, face-to-face training offer, Um, We then have a consultancy offer which supports you and actually we learn lots from you at at the same time uh, in your role. We also um, have online uh, evaluations for your boards, for you as chairs and for you as clerks. That can support you in your own development. And then our two real big programs, which we've been working on um, quite a lot lately, is our e-learning and learning link, developing new modules to support you in these challenging times. And also our leading governance uh, fully funded development programmes, or part-funded, if you're a a clerk, um, for chairs, clerks, and boards. So it's been super busy, I would say, since lockdown, not only working at NGA HQ kind of business, but also as a governor. Um, So for my sins, I'm an NLG and actually yesterday had to um, conduct my first remote disciplinary panel. Um, But I think, you know, I don't know how you feel, Steve, and, and certainly yourself, Emma, what you hear from members, having to grapple with the realities Of these kinds of things they're challenging in the best of circumstances but for me it's super helpful in informing the additions and amendments we're making to our content all the time to ensure it's current and kind of responds to to your emerging needs out there in the field
1: I I was just going to agree uh, with with what you've said there Emma I think it's absolutely uh, important that we we take the learning from what are unprecedented times at the moment. And, and you're absolutely right. Like everyone, we've had to adapt uh, to these changed circumstances. And uh, it, it's been uh, incredible, really, just to see how those leading schools and our governing community have done that. Uh, just as our school leaders have been working tirelessly and, and with the utmost professionalism, making these daily decisions about staffing and capacity and delivering the mm-hmm. services both in and out of school, um, we've also been you know, humbled by how governors and trustees have been standing alongside them, ready to give their support and their own guidance as necessary, but without adding to the, you know, the immense pressure that they're under. So uh, really is an important responsibility, but a huge learning opportunity too. I was, that's really what I was going to say
2: yeah it's amazing actually, what's possible remotely, isn't it? I was just thinking uh, one of our um, learning Link modules we're working on at the moment is around supporting boards with head teacher recruitment um and and that uh, you know it will absolutely cover the highs, lows, hints, and tips on effective remote appointment. Um, so processes interviews and such but actually um, our subject matter expert Judith who's leading on that she has um, been chatting to people who have said there are some real advantages from doing that remote interview because people in lifetime are pulling up sharing screens and sharing their resources and actual evidence examples that they potentially wouldn't have taken to an interview because they don't know what the questions are going to be. So really, really interesting things emerging
0: that's fascinating isn't it and we're, we're, we're always so grateful to our members who do report uh, back whenever they can you know given the amount of time people are having to spend on governing in the first instance and then if you're a chair you're giving even more time so the fact that people are are willing to share and that is our absolute experience um, here at NGA people are very very gen- generous in terms of reporting um, back to us. I probably ought to to say before we get any um, further in is that normally um, Sam Henson will also join us on these monthly updates. He, uh, some of you will know, is our director of policy and information. So his team uh, deliver the weekly uh, newsletter to you. Um, I was about to say always on a Friday, but actually this is the first week for a very long time that it's going to be on a, a Thursday uh, because of our, our bank holiday Friday. Uh, he's also editor of of um, governing matters. He uh, is is leading on our curriculum thinking, and you can watch a a webinar that he recorded last week on um, cultivating the the curriculum and how that thinking might have changed a little bit during our uh, partial closure. He uh, also oversees our research work, um, and I know he and the team very much want me uh, to promote the fact that our annual governance survey is out uh, at the Assignment for you to complete and we know thousands of you have. Uh, But we need the same number again, please, in the next um, 10 10 days. It is the um, biggest uh, survey of those who govern schools in England, and it is used in so many ways by us, um, both to lobby government and to influence people, but also to um, educate us um, and to lead our work um, as, as well. Um, And then lastly, Sam leads also on Academy Trust Governance, so I know that um, is a topic that we'll be returning to in in future months. But uh, he's not with us today because we felt we had rather a lot to to cover, particularly uh, with COVID, and he is joining me instead um, in our very next podcast, which will be out any moment now, which is around um, Ofsted. It doesn't really seem quite the right subject to be talking about right now. We're pleased that Ofsted has paused their inspections, but we were publishing our report on the first um, term and a bit uh, of the new education inspection framework just as we went into lockdown, so we felt we needed uh, to to help um, uh, disseminate that. So yeah, you'll be hearing you'll be hearing Sam uh, on that any moment now. But let's get back um, to um, lockdown and. Steve, perhaps you can uh, tell us a bit more what you and the team have been doing. What are the issues that governing boards have been coming across um, that you have been uh, uh, working on?
1: Yes, well, these are unprecedented times. They really are. And there's been no rehearsal for this crisis. And uh, although I'm sure for many governing boards, it will lead them. In the future, to reevaluate their approach to risk management, and indeed in in the school sector, I think it will probably lead to to a reevaluation of how we treat risk and how we, how we manage risk. But for now, as you quite rightly say, Emma, we we've our priority has been to remain as visible and as connected as possible uh, for our for our governing community, and and to help them navigate this situation. So. Since lockdown, uh, we have been producing and providing a, a regular series of, uh, of governing briefings uh, on uh, a range of issues, but focused predominantly on uh, virtual meetings and business continuity, establishing priorities, continuing to function during this time, uh, and how to do that in a way uh, that is both practicable and also uh, ideas as as near as possible to the to the governing framework, so we've been working and thinking about practical advice and producing those those uh, almost weekly uh, briefings as well as that we have produced some core guidance on business continuity and virtual meetings, which you'll find on the on the NGA website and we're updating that all the time and now as we we start to reflect and think forward ab- about uh, you know a period where we can envisage schools reopening uh, perhaps initially on a partial basis we 're starting to think about the strategic leadership of of the post covid um, schools uh, sector and and some of the issues and challenges that we'll, that we'll be facing, one of which will be you know, the, how well schools are equipped to deal with the you know, the sad consequence of the covid crisis and that is. Uh, bereavement and the, you know how dealing with bereavements uh, uh, that suffered by pupils staff and the school community as a whole so it's been a very busy period but it's also been a, a very rewarding period serving our members in this way and, and learning with them uh, as as we go along and I, I do echo very much what Emma said earlier about uh, about the challenges and you know there's been no you know, strict guide for it we're we are learning as we go along, and we're, we're putting kids and you know pupils at, at the forefront of our thinking, which is as it should be
0: absolutely, and obviously governing boards are, are different and and react uh, differently and, and and manage things differently but but given the sort of conversations that the team are having on the gold line and other contacts we've had with with members. What are the things that you you think are are challenging them both? I think there's two aspects of of this, isn't there? There's the managing to do the, their own business, what we're calling you know business continuity, and then also their their broader concerns for um, the the schools, for, for, yeah. for pupils, for, for, for the staff.
1: Yeah, and that and uh, that's been very interesting, Emma. Really, the, that's been the journey over the last few weeks because it it, it was certainly the case uh, that post lockdown the immediate uh, immediately following lockdown uh, when it became clear that those governing processes and routines that rely so much on schools being opened uh, would need to change that we were being asked mostly about uh, the the process of business continuity the, the the practical implications things like governors terms of office coming to an end and uh, elected governors not being able to hold elections to replace those elected governors or trustees who've reached the end of their term, for example, or panel uh, work, panel hearings and meetings, that processes that were, were, were ongoing but had ground to a halt effectively when the schools were closed and how you would deal with those situations. And we're continuing to provide Advice on that—that's still taking up quite a bit of time for the advice service. But what we've noticed certainly over the last couple of weeks is now the emphasis is changing in terms of the queries that we're receiving. Uh, we're receiving much more uh, requests for advice about how boards monitor the provision uh, at this time. Uh, things like you know online learning that's been provided by uh, by schools uh, so the pupils who, who aren't in school, and then. In the post sort of COVID era, if you like, if you want to call it that, you know what accountability uh, should look like. For example, how do we pick up uh, headteacher appraisal and performance management issues when you know a large part of the cycle has uh, you know has been dominated by uh, by this very urgent situation? Uh, and then how do we how do we treat? Uh, you know, data going forward, for example, when we've had this this gap, so the, the emphasis is most definitely changing. So you can see that the that the thinking is is becoming sort of more strategic and, and envisaging a point when schools will be reopening in the future. And I guess that reflects uh, the you know the, the the messages that are coming from from the government. And so we are starting to get geared up for that for that time.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the 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 press and media have been absolutely awash, haven't they, with with speculation in the last uh, week or so about whether schools may be one of the first things to uh, reopen, at least. At least partially, and I think that's really got um, a lot of conversations uh, going, hasn't it, amongst governing boards and with their school leaders? And some of it, of course, we can't plan for or prepare for because we do need um, the government to tell us uh, what is safe and what social distancing um, might look like in schools because it's fairly clear that the sort of social distancing we may expect when we're out in the park um, doing our daily exercise of two metres doesn't work um, in in schools. So some of it, as it were, is way above our 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 pay grade. But there are some things, don't you think, that that it is useful for governing boards to be um, thinking about with their school leaders?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I'm sure Emma will want to come in on this as a, as a chair of a governing uh, board herself. I, I chair a governing board of a, a one-form entry primary school in the West Midlands. And, uh, you know, I've been staying in regular touch uh, over the past few weeks just to see how, uh, they, you know, they've been managing uh, our situation. And and now, as we're looking forward to, you know, at some point in the future, near future, we'll, you know, partially reopening, um, as a chair of a governing board, I, I'm looking first and foremost for some strong, you know, evidence-based direction from the department uh, on on the issues relating to health and safety, you know whether that's testing, PPE, social distancing, as you say, um, which you know in itself presents a huge challenge for schools, and and those those clear guidelines that that schools can base their own risk assessments on, and then certainly in the context of my own school. Um, I, as a chair of governing board i 'd be happy, of course, if our, if our pupils had some experience of school before the summer uh, before the summer break, but that 's not at the price of safety, so i 'm looking as much uh, to my own head teacher 's assessment of the health and safety risks uh, around reopening uh, and what our own local public uh, health advice is uh, and what my authority is saying i 'm looking as much to that as I am to the official advice. In terms of forming a view a view as to what is safe and what we what we can achieve, whether that's some form of staggered opening uh you know phased phased reopening and the the level of staff deployment that's required and and how those staff are deployed in school so those strategic discussions i think we're we're already starting to have uh at, at board level between ourselves as governors and as trustees and with our school leaders, but you're right, we do need. Uh, we are waiting for that, that strong evidence-based direction to inform the next level of conversations that we have.
2: Yeah, I think it needs it needs careful planning, doesn't it, um, for sure, uh, and kind of a, a nice leading time so that people um, feel safe and secure to do so. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I, I'm chair of a pupil referral unit, and to start with, actually, they were able to continue with about 75% of the pupils. Um, but over time, that's slowly reduced um, down and down. So actually, more remote support has been kind of bread and butter for the last few weeks. So staff doing um Home deliveries of of food parcels and and all sorts of things that they didn't realise were part of their existing Mm -hmm. (laughs) job description, actually. Um, And also, I suppose it's it's quite different, isn't it? What you said, Steve, is um, there are parallels for everybody, but each of the individual settings can themselves be quite unique. Mm -hmm. So the other place, um, I'm also vice chair of a trust and actually, the way that we've managed with the current set of circumstances has been amongst the schools as a collective, which has been a real strength. So that when staffing has been an issue in one area, actually, we've been able to pull those resources and still to work in quite a safe, a safe way with lots of kind of social distancing and all of those sorts of things where um You know, it's nice to have that resource to draw on and that support to draw on and be able to have children not always attending the school where they would normally be attending, if that's what's needed to enable key workers to get out there and and do the job that they need to do
0: and Emma you make a you know, really important point is that balance so much of governance is about balance getting the balance right and there's a real balance here isn't there between what we need to be mandated nationally but a certain mm-hmm. amount of flexibility to allow every governing board uh, to manage it in a way that works for them in their premises um, with their community and it's been really interesting actually with all the comments flooding into us um, over uh, the last week or or, or so that have been looked at by our policy and research team I've read quite a lot of them um, myself and and seen the, the the summary and whereas often we have hugely disparate views across our you know let's face it there are a quarter of a million volunteers out there um, of whom we're regularly in communication with um, 70 80 thousand of, of them and 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 clearly that's a very diverse group group of people but it was absolutely interesting that on this point about partial reopening and who, sh- who should be the next group of children that should be invited in and how and when, the overwhelming, absolutely overwhelming response was this should be done with the welfare of pupils and families and society and staff um, absolutely first and foremost. Um, and that for once, it maybe seems slightly counterintuitive when we're governing schools, uh, but for once it wasn't the educational considerations that absolutely were coming top. It was we need to do this right with welfare and well-being, um, you know, absolutely center to, to, to purpose. So it may well be, in fact. Um, um, that we do have a few um, announcements over the next couple of days. And I think it's you know, really important. The governance community is expecting there to be um, some facts, and Steve said, evidence behind, some science behind the decisions um, that are being made. And then governing boards with their school leaders can make sure that that can work um, in, their, in their schools. Um, Steve, I don't know whether I know there's another topic you've been thinking a lot about in the last few weeks as well. And I don't want you to know whether you want to say anything today on that or save it for another time, but that whole issue about staff welfare, but particularly oh, head teachers, um, yeah. our, our role as employers, but also particularly concerned about head teachers and the responsibilities and stresses they've got at the moment.
1: Oh. Absolutely. It, it, it's so fundamental. And I think, you know, we've we've just touched on this, haven't we, that uh, well-being and welfare. And I think when when the school system does return to relative normality, the, you know, those the, those conversations about what kind of what kind of system, you know, what kind of uh, culture, uh, school culture and, and will we'll be, you know, we will prevail. Uh, in the post-COVID era, I think that, you know there's a lot more to be discussed there, and I think NGA will be at the forefront of those those discussions. And wellbeing and 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 welfare has has been certainly at the heart of what what we've been doing in our in our all things staffing work uh, anyway. But now, as you say, it takes on extra significance, and, and I'm delivering a webinar. Uh, on Thursday. This podcast has been recorded uh, on a Tuesday. So in two days' time, I'm I'm recording a a webinar on all things uh, staffing in the COVID context and very much hope that you'll tune into that through the NGA website. And I will be touching on some of the key elements of an effective wellbeing strategy that I think we really... Uh, need to revisit in our own school and governing board context, you know, regardless of what that context is, you know, what I want to do is sort of characterise what I think, you know, effective wellbeing strategy is in the post sort of COVID uh, world. And and at the top of that list of sort of characteristics, I I do have looking after your senior leaders and encouraging them, uh, encouraging self-care, because I think so often our school leaders uh, almost require permission, uh, from us mm-hmm. to to look after themselves yeah. because they take on their shoulders the burden of others, uh, and so it's absolutely fundamental that that you know we we look after them and we encourage them to model that that culture and approach to wellbeing that we want to see throughout the school, not just with the staff but also with you know the pupils and, and the stakeholders as well. And there are other characteristics as well. You know how we assess risk. There'll be those people who. Who've had their own COVID experience, and, and 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 the return to relative normality will present challenges for them. So you need to understand what those pressure points are and how we can mitigate for them, and 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 ensure that things like that confidential external support is in place uh, for those who those who need it, uh, and 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 check up. You know, just keep checking check in rather not check up. We don't want <laughs> we want to see more checking in than checking up, uh, because we think that's so important, don't we? Uh, you know that the that, that people feel supported uh so you know i i i like to think that uh you know this that, that we don't waste this awful crisis that we've we've had and we we take it as an opportunity to create something that's that's better and i know these these issues are very close to your heart emma and there's something you've spoken about for a long time about the importance of culture and and you know what what schools, the true purpose of schools are in their community. And I think there's no better time than now to reflect on that.
0: Absolutely. And I think when we get into what a lot of people are calling the recovery um, uh, part of this um, uh pandemic, um, we'll really have to, to think hard, won't we, about what are the bits that actually we can take with us, because uh, I think we all have had to do things at such pace, but have to learn new ways of, of being, um, and certainly around the virtual governance um, and, and as Emma said, virtual interviewing, there's some things we're going to want to hang hang on to, but then I know we are, and, I, um, and also uh, members are telling us uh, how worried they are about children um who are living in households who don't have the advantages that allow them to 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 take on board remote learning in the way other families do so i think we've got we're going to have um a, a, a real issue around catch up if if many weeks well many weeks will be will be lost in terms of of learning, so I think we'll we can we'll come back to that. I'm sure um, another um, another month. But but you're right; there'll be a lot more reflection to to do and 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 to learn from. And there are some things that um, people being grateful for each other and thankful for each other. I think is something that that I'm sure will um, will continue continue on. Emma. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit um, uh, more about how professional development has been featuring um, in the last months? Um, certainly when we had to, or schools had to, um, largely close down very quickly, and we all had to make such changes in our own lives, you would expect um, professional development, CPD, um, to take a back seat. Do you think that's still the, the case now?
2: Well, I I think probably that definitely is what we expected. But actually, um, it seems to be that much of the governance world are seeking, um, I suppose, to improve their practice, especially now. Um, so, you know, that's kind of borne out, I, I guess, lots of it, you know, by the numbers of our listeners who are joining the weekly webinar, but, our um, Learning Inc, our e-learning subscriptions have just passed over 30,000 users. Um, so, we're, you know, we're really excited to see that happening and, and, uh, you know, it kind of, I suppose it means that we're sort of, um, trying to meet that demand by making sure the content that's already on there. Is uh, COVID friendly, let's say. So, for instance, one of our most popular e learning modules is our safeguarding um, for governors module. And obviously, what we're trying to do right now is to make sure that the, the, the COVID 19 guidance that's come out around safeguarding in these very specific circumstances is in there so our current learners can think about okay so from a governance perspective what will our role be in that and that that's very much alongside uh, subject matter experts in your team steve isn't it
1: yeah absolutely and i think you're 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 right in what you say about uh, e-learning at this time and and how we're all taking this opportunity to to reflect and and, and think about you know how we can uh, best uh, prepare ourselves and equip ourselves to, to carry out this, this very important role. And actually, I was speaking to a Governor colleague of mine this morning, and we were talking about the e-learning and the Learning Link offering in, in particular. And we were saying one of the great things about about this, when there's so much pressure on, uh, on us at the moment, you know, family life and, and, and other considerations in this very, you know, weird situation, that the e-learning provides... A little bit of a distraction, uh, you know, an important and uh, useful distraction. But also, it's not so um, rigid and structured that you can't sort of engage with it in in a way that you're able to cope with at this time. What I mean by that is you can dip in and dip out, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think a a lot of people sort of uh, perhaps don't realise just how flexible Learning Link is, uh, and that you know, just it is it is something you can. Uh, dip in and, and and dip out of and, and and really undertake the learning on your own terms. And there's not much CPD, not much CPD out there that's structured like that. And uh, so I think that's a real, uh, you know, winning a winning attribute of of learning link. I know that you're doing yeah. a lot of work to make those, to make that, to make that even more, make the offer even more flexible and, and bite sized, which I think is great. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. We, we like to see, it, Steve, um, as like your insurance policy. So you, you might not look at it for 12 months at a time. But actually, if you get called on to come and be part of a panel, or if you end up being part of a, a needing to to organise a head teacher recruitment process, etc, you can go on it and find what you need when you need it. Um, and actually, it's kind of a time and place that's suitable and convenient to, to you as well, isn't it? Which, I, you know, we we kind of I suppose, in a really unique set of circumstances that really lend themselves to to that right now. Um, I think as well, one of the things that I've also found surprising is that we had got face to face sessions that were planned in and um, our, our sort of governors have said to us, We'd really like to go ahead with this. We know we can't do it in a face-to-face way, but is it possible that you could convert it into a webinar for us? And actually, um, in the last two weeks, we've delivered probably two or three of those sessions that we probably thought we were going to have Mm. to postpone. Uh, But schools and governors have been really keen to kind of... um, carry on regardless and also have that opportunity, I suppose, to to raise their concerns and ask questions about their specific circumstances, which you can do, can't you? And we're exploring all sorts of functionality at the moment. Um, You mentioned forums earlier. Obviously, we're doing the webinars and we're doing podcasts. We're looking at all the different kinds of forums there are so that if we have still got that demand, which it certainly seems we have, for that uh, bespoke board interaction, that we can seek to deliver that in, in some way and and certainly for local authorities who really like to deliver their face to face training and they're finding themselves in difficult circumstances and can't do it right now we've seen quite a few of them yeah. come to us to say can we offer learning link to all of our schools please because they're they're so keen to keep professional development on the radar of their of their
0: leaders and governors in school and i think it's, I think that's it's probably cool. So, sorry, sorry, Steve. Uh, I, I think it's also um, uh, probably worth saying that actually uh, quite a number of multi academy trusts uh, buy into Learning Link. And last year we had a module uh, developed, uh, particularly around Matt's um, MAT governance. And the other thing I'd like to um, emphasize. Is the induction uh, modules which um, I know are really meaty um, they're not um, you know they're, they're not a simple um, option because actually as anybody out there who governs knows it's a you know, a, a hard thing to do it's a real um, knowledge-rich uh, uh, business. So we've been you know, lobbying um, DfE, Department for Education, for as long as NGAs existed to, ha- to have induction training made mandatory for, for those that govern. And despite the fact that some other volunteers do have to undertake training before they can as a magistrate, sit on the bench or at a citizen vice bureau, give advice, we don't actually um, in the governance community have to um, and we haven't, we're going to keep asking we're going to keep asking because we don't give up we at day. <laughs> but in the meantime you know the fact that you have got 30,000 um, uh, governors and trustees who are using the platform and have access to an induction um, programme you know really pleases me, it's, a, it's another route in to making um, induction you know absolutely part of what we all expect uh, when when we join a, a governing board.
2: A hundred percent, Emma. And I, I kind of, I don't just think of those modules as the induction modules. To me, they've kind of become our core modules. Mm. So actually... Yeah. That, that they're really helpful for anybody to refresh themselves around you know what what are the nuances how has how have expectations and practice changed over time and actually it just helps you to fine tune your thinking so that you can kind of go back and make sure that your your questions are really at that strategic level and that your support is really the right support to be giving to senior leaders in school um so so i think they're they're valuable for for anybody Absolutely. whether they're, whether they're new or governing for a while as a refresher um but we are looking at you say emma they're meaty and they certainly do cover the plethora of issues that you could find yourself faced with as a governor um, but we're looking actually as well as developing um our new content at um, making those uh, breaking them up into slightly smaller lessons so that it's already, as Steve alluded to, you can dip in and dip out, start something, stop doing it whenever you want to. But we are, I think, once people start something, they kind of almost feel duty bound to get right through to the end in one go. Um, so we are going to save them as sort of separate lessons, if you like, um, so that people can actually just do part of it. And it's much more along that bite sized. Um, approach which actually our learners or lots of our learners not all of them but lots of our learners have said they prefer so there'll be all different types of content all different lengths of of program hopefully to suit everybody's needs.
0: And I think one of the, um, we've been waxing lyrical, haven't we, about the way that everyone's being so flexible, um, about how we're all um, taking on sort of virtual uh, learning and different virtual systems. But actually, uh, you know, I think there's also a huge desire in the governance community that we see to actually meet um, other governors. Uh, we, perhaps governors don't get as much of a chance to, to do that as they would sometimes like and really Mm -hmm. welcome that that sharing so you've got your leading governance programs that blend don't they the the e-learning um with other um, with other types of learning so tell us a little bit about that
2: yeah so our our leading governance programs um have got every element that you could think of so we've got um e-learning in there We've got online assessment, we've got um, mentor calls, we've got um, action learning sets or cluster groups where people meet um, together, as well as a a formal sort of face to face um, offer with a facilitator as well. So all of those things kind of meld together over the course of a, a sort of nine month period traditionally. Actually, what we've had to do with that, trying of given the current circumstances, is extend our program slightly, and we're giving people more opportunity to engage with the online learning and the, the virtual or remote elements. I was thinking, Emma, when you talked about um, actually the, the importance of kind of taking this as time to reflect. But as part of that programme, we we have got online evaluation tools. They're available to anybody to buy separately, but you get them um, funded for you as part of the leading governance programmes. So the kinds of things that you could be doing right now, if you um, enrol in a leading governance cohort, is starting to think about your self-reflection, so complete your online board review to identify what your strengths are and what your areas for development are um, as you work through that process in order to kind of, I guess, focus on which pieces of e-learning you might want to prioritise over others before you even embark on the rest of the, the programme that's available to you. Um, so there's, there's all sorts of opportunity there, um, and, and, you know, we We do the chairs and we do the clerks um, leadership development programmes too. And our our clerks one, I think, is the only one in the country that offers the level three accreditation with uh, the Governance Institute ICSA.
0: Absolutely, and I think we probably um, ought to, uh, as you, you've inferred, make it clear that this is part of the um, Department for Education-funded uh, programs. But we we are the largest um, uh, supplier that the uh, Department uh, currently has, and we're we're very proud um, of our programs. But I think what some people may not realise, um, you, you you might have noticed that I said one of the values, um, one of NGA's values, is independence. You know, we are a charity and the vast amount of our income that, that comes in, comes in because schools and trusts buy things from us, whether they're the things that Steve was talking about earlier, information, information advice, and guidance, or the e-learning, or our face-to-face learning. So actually, um, we we don't receive uh, very much central government funding at all. And what comes in for leading governance absolutely goes out in terms of um, our facilitators um, and our venues and our development. So um, yes, we're a we are um, a charity very pleased to be um, providing you know what we think are our quality uh, products for. Um, uh, for for schools. So I think we've probably done a quick canter around um, a lot of the things that we're we're working on, but just before we stop and regroup in a in a month's time. Can I ask both of you, you know, what you think governing boards um, should be reflecting on and and preparing for um, over the next few weeks as much as you possibly can, given the you know the fact we've just been talking about speculation on, on future decisions. Steve, do you want to do you want to start?
1: Yeah. Well, I I think we, for me, I I think we it's a really important. Uh, that we take our our role in the rebuilding pro- process following you know this very difficult and unprecedented period and as governing boards you know one of our one of our eight elements of effective governance is is having courageous conversations on behalf of our our pupils and those courageous conversations need to be picked up and they need to they need to continue uh, as as do those normal checks and balances that we associate with, we governing. But I do think we need to take a step back at the same time and think about actually how we start those courageous conversations off. So you know, my my sort of uh, reflections at the moment is it is less about sort of fixating on reinstating the you know sort of process of accountability measures uh, with my governing board uh, in in the uh, in the recovery period. But all, but more so, demonstrating that ethical leadership and, and prioritising listening to and communicating with our staff and and stakeholders about what truly matters. So that's what I'm thinking about at the moment, and what my role is as a governor and as a trustee in in in, in playing my part in in this recovery phase. Um, you know what, how we can support our schools and our trusts to overcome what's happened and help them to move on with their lives and 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 create a better. A better system going forward you know it's it, we're not we're not going to waste this crisis if I have anything to do with it
2: yeah no I think that's right isn't it Steve and I, and I think it's it's right to say it's the opportunity to take stay. sorry say take a step back but actually our, our challenge if you like our, our courageous conversations are um almost no longer just with school leaders in the setting that we're in, but they almost go beyond that, don't they, in terms of us supporting um, the absolute drive to make sure that we feel confident, comfortable, prepared and safe um, to progress with the next level as instructed or directed by government announcements that are perhaps perhaps imminent um, and sort of be, be flying the flag and really shouting out for pupil welfare, staff welfare, uh, and also I think the absolute critical importance of the communication that goes to parents as well.
0: Absolutely. We were, we were just talking about that um, earlier uh, today when we were working out what our, our next couple um, of information sheets should be on and communications with stakeholders is is absolutely on that list and it sort of takes us back to the fundamentals of the you know the department for education as everybody who's been to governance training knows has three core responsibility for for boards um, setting vision um, values and strategic direction holding our head teachers or chief executives to account and then financial uh, governance and NGA we have that fourth one uh, which is about making sure stakeholders are involved and their voices are, are heard and I think now of all times it's really shown hasn't it schools um, to be such a vital part of their community and getting those conversations right and more formal communications right with, with parents and, and staff and pupils and the wider community is so crucial and I think that's a time when boards need to be there to support head teachers and if necessary uh present with with head teachers and it goes back to that point you were making Steve about you know not leaving your head teachers alone um, in order to face what is an incredibly um anxious um time for for most people. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more communications um, and doing them sensitively and and well. Uh, And we've been thinking about that Uh, Here, sometimes you hear yourself using shorthand in a chat and you think, oh, no, that's not the way to express it. Uh, I must admit, we really debated about whether or not to put the annual survey out this year at the time that we always do. Um, And it's 10 years and it would have been such a shame to miss that sort of longitudinal um, effort of year by year by year. Um, But we thought, you know, of all times we needed to hear from our members from the governance community about what were their challenges and what did they and their schools need support with so we took the decision to to go ahead and I'm really pleased we have had a couple of members say to us um, now isn't the time for this but really it is only a couple and a large number of people are incredibly willing to get get involved and help shape um the schools uh, system and their communities which which i think is 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 wonderful and why you know we exist as as NGA when push comes to shove to to support the work that you are all doing out there and to support your clerks, your governance professionals. We haven't really talked very much about that role, but it's it's very much a partnership at NGA um, values, uh, working with with governance professionals across the, the country. And I'm sure it's something that we'll come back to in in future um, discussions. So I think probably we have covered covered our ground now. Unless there's anything that either of you um, would like to say as a as as a as a parting um, uh, word of wisdom.
1: Oh no, no more than I've enjoyed talking to you both. It's been uh, <laughs> it's been great. We should we should do it again. We really should. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes,
2: excellent. <It laughs> we will be- monthly. Well,
0: absolutely. Well, it's been great for us. Whether it's been great for everybody else, we shall, we shall find, uh, we shall find out. So, with with that, I will bring us to the end um, of our first uh, governing chatters. Thank you to Emma. Uh, to Steve and also actually I should say to the backroom um, staff at NGA, uh, particularly Richard Crabb who has um, made this happen and poor man has to um, make us sound uh, coherent before we're released uh, to the wider world. So um, thank you and I hope you tune in to our next podcast on the Ofsted research.